Hi, um, hey pigs and prayer warriors. I'm really sad to announce that my co-host Kendall passed away in a tragic dressage horse-related accident um, at the annual Keep Portland Weird Antique Car Show and Betty Page Impersonators competition, uh, which Kendall was competing in. Kendall came in fifth place, but then was thrown off their horse when it tripped over someone's empty IPA beer bottle. But uh, since Kendall is in touch with the Kennedy family and is potentially a Kennedy scion, we don't know, um, they're working on reviving her um, Robert Kennedy Jr. style, uh, or whichever one it was that like the QAnon guys think is alive because he is alive and he's also Kendall's dad and they're going to bring Kendall back the same way and Kendall should be back for the next episode but in the meantime um my friend Joan is here yes the collective anxieties of every non-binary person alive has came true for this specific episode in which a trans woman has taken a non-binary person's place I hope that <laughs> another trans woman takes my place too and I hope that that's what the, the podcast becomes Oh, I've actually infiltrated the Kennedy family um, before they could revive Kendall, and I've actually <laughs> stolen their cloning technology, including the part where they can surgically reattach uh, JFK Jr.'s dick to just, like, anyone within the family. Cool. Um, and so I will be cloning myself, and she will also be taking your place as well, and then I will be the only host of this podcast. That sounds honestly pretty good. I think, I mean, I really do believe in, you know, as a, as a communist, um, I think that praxis is really important, um, which, you know, if you don't know, that's uh, theory and practice. And, and my theory is that I think that non-binary people are bad. So I, I, want, I want to live that out um, by allowing myself to be uh, taken over and replaced by someone cooler. Yeah, I mean, before I'm a communist, I'm hot. And so I just naturally want to oppress other women for not being as beautiful as me. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my praxis. Don't tell Twitter. They're going to have a field day about it. Because, you know, here comes a 10 oppressing the fives um, well, here on Big Story so Naturals. We've, we've talked about this before, but I, I'm going to double down on it. And I think that being ugly is a choice. Um, and I think, I think it's a choice that some people make and, and it's a choice that you can choose at any moment to stop making. So I just don't like, I don't have any sympathy for that. Yeah. I mean, GoFundMe was ex invented for a reason. You don't, you don't even need to get plastic surgery, although you can. And like some of us do and why not, you know, but also like, I, th I feel like being hot is mostly just like making what you have like work and like putting some effort into it. Um, yeah. I was looking at that picture of Bella Hadid and Ted Cruz and it's like they have the they have the exact same face. They literally <laughs> look they have they have the same features, but one of but them is one a hot them, person and one of them yes. is not. And it's like Ted Cruz just is not making the same choices that Bella Hadid is making, but he could at any moment. I mean, the difference between them, really, if you think about it, is opinions about Palestine. So I think we have right. a lesson there to learn. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
Uh, but before we get too far, I do want to introduce myself properly. Oh, Hello, right. everyone. My name is Joe Summers. You might have heard of me. I'm a world famous journalist and podcaster extraordinaire over at Eating for Free. And I'm here today on my child's podcast. You know, really, this is this is my fault that Big Soy Naturals exists in the first place, if you really think about it. So that's I'm true. Going to take what's rightfully mine. <laughs> You did bring me and Kendall together, so I guess it's only fair for you to finally tear us apart. Yeah, I think that my scheme has been long in the making, and it has involved many machinations and plane rides, and it's all finally coming to a head now at that dressage horse competition. (laughs) This is just the kinds of things that happen every week in Portland. That's what they do over there. Yeah, no, Portland is a place where... Um, non-binary people host dressage course horse competitions <laughs> and women named Mabel sell marmalade on the street. Like that's like the only, those are at any point in Portland the only two things that are happening. before you kick me out we should do one of my favorite pacific northwest activities that i picked up from the uh it's like the the queer co-op house that i lived in um we're we're doing a land acknowledgement yeah so we could do a land acknowledgement they also they divided the chores and like uh, overall labor by privilege order and it seems like you you are kicking us out in privilege order. Kendall went first. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, if, if we were going by privilege order as the woman with mm-hmm. the fattest vagina and therefore and the but most depressed, I do have, think that I am. You first also have blue eyes. Mm, yes, I am a blue eyes white demon. That's mm-hmm. true. These mm-hmm. are the kinds of conversations that would happen like in seriousness in the house that I lived in. And no, I do want to ask about the mechanics of this, this chore yeah. chart. Um, mm-hmm. Did like, did like stick and sock, did they like collab on like a craft project? You know, they like cut construction paper into a circle and like pinned a little like wheel to it that you could spin. Like what was, what was it? Was it a magnet on a fridge? Like how Great did Great question. Work? So their names were actually drone uh (laughs) and morrissey (laughs) oh so yes Uh, was there a mullet involved i do just need to know this i think this was like pre-mullet and this was was pre-mullet yeah this was more when everyone had that sort of like green like seafoam hair color joan of arc haircut um like car hearts that somehow were distressed even though the whole point of those like clothes is that they can't really get distressed so you know that they were taking a knife to them on purpose in their room um but there was a mandatory monthly meeting that began with a pronoun circle uh, Mm. 
for the roommates. And was this because we were changing <laughs> pronouns frequently? Was it like we just needed to like check in on the pronouns? Yeah, it was like we yeah. don't know like who's gonna use different pronouns. Yeah, but there I don't was a understand why like pronouns every month. Yeah. As as roommates, we couldn't maybe just find that information out a bit more casually. Um, <laughs> but well, because casualness is a form of emotional labor, which is also a form of interpersonal terrorism and abuse. So yeah, I think, I, I think the pronoun was, circle is really the I way was to go. called out for uh, interpersonal terrorism and abuse during the pronoun circle one time because I made mm. a joke about how I'm they them, but I'm also you yours, like when you're referring to me. Um, and they did not like that because I was making light of the serious topic that is having they pronouns. Um, but once once a month during our house meeting, we would uh, make sure that the chores were in correct privilege order. We would just all be ranked from from most privileged to least. And we, I guess we would have to make sure that it was correct because there were like 12 people that lived there and also some people would uh become transgender within the month and so then they might have to like rise or fall on the chore chart depending on if they were a man or a woman um (laughs) interesting that the uh, trans yeah the transgender binary gulag was instituted (laughs) where it was man or woman i do like that i do like that as the more things change the more some still stay the same yeah (laughs) Yeah. Well, because there was there was one time a house meeting devoted to the topic, or it was more of a, I guess, a debate on if trans men should be like slotted at the bottom the way that cis men mm. were, or if they shouldn't because mm. they're trans, which is a you know a form of uh, marginalized identity. But then if we're yeah. othering them from cis men, are we saying that like they're not like? valid as real men. men oh yeah and no, so see, then, these are like, questions nobody's ever asked before i think you guys yeah are really, well you know, and it's important to figure out who is going to avoid doing the dishes um <laughs> and that's why we have to ask these questions as a society um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah there, there were many uh epic fights um during our our chore chart related meetings uh one was where like there was one lone cis white straight man and so he was number one and he was trying to argue that maybe he should be number two because there is a cis white gay man that came from like lots of money and he didn't Mm. have lots of money and he was like i feel like like class should be taken into account i feel like i should be number two (laughs) on the joy (laughs) chart but the gay man was not having it and he he stood his ground um and and he kept he kept his spot And then I was uh, called out for internalized anti-blackness on a different occasion because I was doing too many chores um, and I should have been thinking about like my positionality and like not doing labor just because like I feel like I should. Um, But like rent was $150. I did also live in a closet. Uh, I do also think <laughs> it's so funny how even in those situations, Sock with the blue eyes and green hair is still somehow the one who will do Yeah, the they reign supreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they are somehow going to find their way to um, doing the least amount of dishes. I think that that's so interesting. There's nothing to unpack there. I've actually never had a single thought interrogating that. Um, 
really common a frequent occurrence, I think. Um, I also want to ask just really quickly, I'm still like wrapping my brain around um, mm-hmm. you know, the magnet chore chart on the fridge. Was there ever a month where the like breakdown of the chores just completely collapsed, right? Like, was there ever like an actual war over the chore chart, like a stalemate, a strike, if you will, like a chore strike, you know, like unions, yeah. because you really there, were a union of people. There was chores. a time where like there was a line that was divided and, and factions were drawn because yes, there was yeah. a white trans woman and a disabled black gay man who were, they were in a stalemate over like who (laughs) was more oppressed. (laughs) And no one could give a clear answer because this just, it's really not actually how oppression works. Um, And when I I like tried to step in, but I was 18 and I was like, well, maybe like sometimes one of you is like more oppressed in some situations, but not in others. So yeah. maybe we can't, maybe it's a tie. They were like, no, like <laughs> I do wanna, one of us needs just, to be ranked above the other. You know, as is, as is necessity here in the pronoun circle land acknowledgement, mm-hmm. I do just want to call my own people in and say that I'm taking accountability on their behalf for not making them feel a strong enough sense of shame before going out into the world and enforcing I don't know. this you know, white women <laughs> <laughs> white women are gonna be white women i yeah i think uh, the history um can be summed up as nailing ourselves to the cross and then screaming i'm being nailed to the cross like jesus was i think that yeah. that's really um but one it, defining it, did, you will find especially in the pacific northwest it did basically become a race war um that mm. was kind of like sort of how the, the house ended up falling apart and then everyone like moved out also a lot of them were dating each other um and it was replaced with a different group of queer poly people that are vegan but uh like pretty mm. much all of the people of color sided with the black person and all of the white people sided with the white person and i was like isn't this interesting yeah. Are we noticing that is... anything that's happening here? Um, but I wasn't really allowed to speak too much because that was also emotional labor. I, um, yeah. by really accident, attended there. Yeah. There was a, a household misogyny workshop that that was taking place, and uh, I I was tr- I was not intentionally there for that. I came home, and then it was happening. But then when everyone was like doing doing their discourse. Um, I was trying to contribute and then someone came over and was like, Cerise, you're like talking too much. And just like, I feel like these people are like taking too much, like emotional labor out of you. Like, and, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll be quiet. Uh- <laughs> you, know, I think, you know, I think that, you know, the trans experience is so varied and it is always interesting to hear people who come at it from a place of praxis and discourse because the um, transsexuality I come from is a place where if you talk like this, you would just get jumped. So I do think it yeah. is important to hold space for all experiences. <laughs> like, it is important to express that. And I'm glad I am old enough now where um, I am no longer accused of actual violence for just mm-hmm. jumping people things like this yeah. i don't think i would have lasted three seconds i would have been canceled and exiled to i don't know ohio or wherever they exile mm-hmm. people to yeah i don't know if this is because of my my gender experience or if it's because of my relationship to the new jersey diaspora 
but um yeah. i'm Holding very much Italians. pro pro confrontation um pro fighting yeah. the un- yeah unfortunately the Paci- people of the pacific northwest are just not in new jersey people walk around looking for a fight and they go out with their friends saying i hope someone tries to fight me tonight so i can fight and if no one does it then they'll just like accuse a random person of looking at their girl um and there's no right answer to that because either you are and then you're, you know, uh, doing something that you're not supposed to be doing or you're not, which is maybe an insult to the girl. So either way, it's grounds for a fight. Um, and then they just start going. And like, that's that's the culture I was raised in. And it's something that I hope that the LGBT community um, and the others can can learn to embrace. Yeah, no, you know, I do have to come forward with something vulnerable here because um, I'm told that we are going to be lecturing teenagers and schooling dumbasses yeah. here on this particular episode. So mm-hmm. I need to show a sign of humility to your listeners right now and admit a story that I've never admitted before, which is at my first like underground trans support group meeting, which um, usually do not get broadcast. You know, it's like, you know, someone who knows someone or you, you know, girl walks up to you in the street and she's like, Hey, you look trans. Do you want to come to my support group later? Right. Cause mm-hmm. usually the hidden undertone was you look fucking busted. Um, come <laughs> and let us help you. Um, and so I went and, you know, I'm so nervous. Right. Because I obviously was like, I think it was maybe my bright red lipstick and my Trader Joe's uniform with like my hair pulled back into the tightest ponytail you've ever seen with like, Take eyelashes on at like maybe 4 p.m. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Needed some intervention um, out on the street. It was someone who had come through my line when I was working in Trader Joe's. Anyway, so I go. I'm super nervous because I hadn't ever been around that many trans people before. I'm 18 and I just started recently transitioning. And I go and I'm like, you know, the pronoun circle's happening. Age is happening. Like we have like 80 year old trans women and then we have like my age, right? So it really mm-hmm. ran the gamut. And, like, especially the older girls had, like, lived there a lot, right? Like, they were the girls who lived through, like, the Compton Cafeteria riots and had, like, been around since, you know, Harvey Milk's assassination. And so, you know, I'm, like, nervous and I'm shaking and they get to me and, like, I have a tendency to just blurt things out, right? I'm a woman of comedy experience. I'm a future podcaster at the time. You know, I was born to just say really stupid things out loud. So it gets to me and they're like, oh, what are your pronouns? And I just... I don't even know what compelled me to say it, but I say, um, that bitch are my pronouns. Uh, and like, I'm waiting for the laugh, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think I'm being clever. I think I'm being funny. Like, oh yeah, my pronouns are that bitch. And dead silence, dead silence, completely dead silence. And just like, maybe it's like 10 seconds of no one saying anything, not even like a sneeze or like a whisper or a gasp. And finally, um, this woman just looks at me and says, we have a, you know, pasta dinner get together after these meetings. I think you should join us. It might be helpful for you. Oh, and no. I, was, I literally was Lot's wife. I turned into a pillar of salt and just blew away in the wind. Like in that exact moment, I've never been more humiliated. So before you take my advice on this episode, I do need you to know that I have made a fool of myself in a pronoun circle 10 years ago. That, that was me with, with you, yours, I, which I think was just like, I, I have never liked the pronoun circle and yeah. I was fairly new to having pronouns. So I also didn't like having to announce them all the time. Um, 
And so I think I was just being uncomfortable. And I also, when you're in a, when you're in a setting where you're talking to other people, you are just you, yours. They're not referring to you. I thought I, I thought I was doing something. I was being a little bit funny. No one laughed. Everyone looked at me. And then afterwards, someone was like, Hey, I just want you to know, like, I think that you made some people uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) But I, I think that maybe this is as good of a, like a segue as we're ever going to get for what I, I summoned you here to talk with me about, um, which is fine because we don't really do segues um, on Big Sway Naturals anyway. Um, no, but I say what, no, like, that's sorry. That sounds like a read. I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, okay. no, you know. I mean, <laughs> 20 minute intro, no segue. Like that's, that's what people come to us for. It's why people are sharing our podcast with their professors. Um, yeah. It, Kenny only dies once until mm-hmm. the next time they die. So I think this is a special occasion. Yeah. So I have been thinking and watching uh and I think maybe I've probably also said this about like people saying that like puritanical attitudes towards uh sex and sexuality are like on the rise um like especially among really young people um and I think some something is definitely happening so I wanted to get to the bottom of why everyone is having a year of not sucking or fucking um and also why everyone is trying to become Catholic and why they're afraid of sex scenes in movies um, or a man getting walked around on all fours on a leash by his goth girlfriend at the mall. These are things that we used to do as a society that we're not allowed to do anymore because of people um, hating. I don't know. I'm not sure what they hate. Um, No, I'm glad you had me on for this as uh, the resident (laughs) communicated former puritanical evangelical child. Yeah, well, I would like very, very interested in your thoughts on why maybe this is happening, because I think that it's not just about having like conservative attitudes towards sex for yourself, but also like this like evangelizing like fever of like making sure that everyone else conforms to it Um, and like kind of not like like doing the same sort of agitation that like Protestants do around sinning and sinners to get people to stop like exhibiting like sexual behavior like expressions of sexuality that are different from what they think is like morally righteous yeah no i think that honestly can i say something really bold because like i've never said this out loud and i need to get this off my chest that's what this is for everyone who's ever said literally like anything and i mean like literally anything about this specific topic besides maybe us is like dumber than a rock because Mm -hmm. we've all got, I mean, not we've got it wrong. Most people have got this wrong. I think, I think the conversation and I wrote about this a lot um, in like previous reporting I've done about the rise of like puritanical ideals in society. And we've talked extensively about this on eating for free as well. And something I'm always circling is really my own experiences growing up as like an extremely evangelical child, not by choice by any means, but evangelical by indoctrination, right? Like you're born into that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you get converted into it later in life. But like, I'm specifically speaking for the people who've been like raised in this culture, like either from birth or like basically it's all that they know, right? Like 
you watch Veggie Tales before the age of three, like this is who I'm speaking to. And so like, I think what we're focusing on is like, why are kids so resistant to sex scenes in movies? And everyone's always saying, oh, it's because they watch kiddie shows like Steven Universe or they watch like My Little Pony or like they're fighting about Voltron pronouns like on Twitter and Discord. Mm -hmm. Why is no one ever talking about the fact that like for the first 18 years of their lives, their parents were judging what movies they were allowed to watch based on what common sense media had to say about like how Christian a movie was to begin with, right? Like we're going at like the children for being the source mm-hmm. of this, but not like their suburban parents who have spent the last 18 years plugged into Fox News and common sense media and focused on the family programming and this 700 club and like having like people saying like, if your child watches Harry Potter, they will summon a demon into their body and that demon will drag them to hell and then have sex with them like that's the kind of thing that their parents are doing and even just like more broadly like you know like neighborhood watch associations like the culture of puritanicism that the suburbs like necessarily facilitates just by its own existence like I think these are really way more the root cause of this than Mm -hmm. like Steven Universe even though Steven Universe is a much lower hanging fruit and also funnier to make fun of uh, you know, I would like, I'm gonna, I'm going to like be vulnerable for our listeners, which, and say that I have, I have seen many episodes of Steven Universe. It did start out as a thing of like me babysitting a child. Um, but I love a Sailor Moon reference. I don't really, I've never, I was never a Steven Universe adult, which is just like an LGBT brony. Um, but I think it's interesting that you you like point out that it's not really like a teen thing because I was thinking about these like different discourse cycles that people point to yeah. as like evidence that this is happening. There's like the the ongoing like kink at pride one, um, yeah. which like I still don't. I'm not entirely sure what the accusation there is. Like that like wearing like fetish wear or like doing anything that falls under the umbrella of kink is like putting people in an unconsensual sexual scenario and it's like like akin to like sexual assault and then there's like the other ongoing one about like should movies ever have sex scenes in them um and those conversations like they don't really ever reach a conclusion and I think it's because the conclusion is not the point as much as it is like inducing people into this like world of like shame that eventually will convert some people um the same way that like evangelical christians will kind of like remind people over and over that they are a sinner and it doesn't necessarily convince the all the people that are doing that but it does like add more people to their ranks who are like worried um about themselves and i think that all the people that are doing that do not tend to overwhelmingly be children they're usually like adults in their 30s and i was um I have some, I have statistics later that I think, um, like make it, I don't know, like interesting to think about how this gets framed as like a thing related to children. Yeah. I think also like, you know, I'm a, like I said, I am hot before I'm a communist, but I am still a communist. And -hmm. I think for like an entire generation of leftists on the internet who are constantly berating each other about class analysis, like 
the sex at Pride or the sex in movies discourse is always like shockingly bereft of class analysis. Mm-hmm. And like in no way do I want to center the middle class in discourse, but I do think that like the middle class is something that a lot of people surprisingly even though it is so omnipresent in our culture overlook when it comes to discourse cycles in general Mm -hmm. because like you go on tiktok and you watch the vines or i mean it used to be the vines and now it's the tiktoks of these kids who are like talking about kink at pride and you like look behind them into the like back window and you see that their parents live in like a parcel of tract housing with like 3.5 bedrooms 1700 square feet maybe like a $500,000 30 year fixed mortgage with like however much APR like like I just think that like we're forgetting the fact that like a lot of these teenagers are also coming from the suburbs or like the ones member back in the early pandemic when these kids were stuck inside and they'd be like house tour and their parents would have like BMWs parked in the front like I do Mm -hmm. think that that's like plays an integral part of this conversation that like is getting overlooked I think because you know I think about growing up myself in these like evangelical communities and like the sex ed pride thing I think isolated if you're just talking about like internet terms like harm reduction and praxis and like you know like non-consensual sexual um situations like seeing someone in a sexy position or like Mm -hmm. seeing someone being dominated in public like those things make sense but also like I remember even when I was a kid my parents telling me because I lived in like the shadow of San Francisco like I lived like 40 minutes from San Francisco for most of my life and my parents would tell me like pride is a thing where gay people go to it And they sexually assault everyone in the city and they do a bunch of drugs and party and ruin everything. And it's like the most hedonistic evil thing that happens like for a week out of the year. And everyone would avoid San Francisco because of it, right? Like Mm -hmm. these are things that they've been told about their whole lives, especially in places where these kinds of things tend to happen, right? And then that gets trickled down through the Fox News cycle. And then you have some like fucking kid in you know, the middle of nowhere, Louisiana, who's like never seen a pride in their entire life, thinking that this is just has to be what pride is because the echo chamber of, you know, middle class news media has like convinced their parents that I don't know, maybe I'm thinking too hardly about it. Am I killing the I vibe? I don't think that you're killing the vibe. Although I have uh, a question for you as a communist, which is what yeah. is the communist stance on casual sex? Oh, the communist stance on casual sex is mm-hmm. and fucking is uh, not a pleasure and it is not a commodity. It is a necessity. I think that okay. it is like an important form of communication that is essential to human liberation. Well, I guess it makes sense then that if that is the communist stance on casual sex, that there has been like a recent push i think from 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 all sides um that is like specifically anti-casual sex there's been i I, the grift of dating gurus has just like really it's exploded i don't know who told them that they need to be giving advice um and also just like anytime that someone is getting paid to give advice or to train you to do something it's because they are not actually doing that thing um, and so they have oh, to, yeah. they have to like make money by getting other people to try doing it instead. It's like the MLM of like YouTube, but 
there's yeah. a I don't know there's like a very strong like anti-casual sex message that's being like pushed I mean, in like a lot of different spaces do you are you familiar with um she's a she's a tiktok person miss uh oh glam demon <sighs> the most sexless person in the entire world yeah the jordan so she, peterson for women with uh right. blood things so she has like a an advice podcast or something um which i didn't listen to but there was an interview that she did about a year ago where she said um in relation to samantha from sex in the city i feel like i have the same attitude as samantha but in terms of actual sex i am a prude we need to be like why are we allowing men access to us sexually when most of them are terrible no woman has ever had satisfying casual sex I don't ever want to do anything out of desperation. And I think casual sex is out of desperation just to have male attention because with the orgasm gap and all that, what is the reward for women? And I think that there's, there's some interesting things that are happening here that relate to what you were saying about like class where it's like, she is talking about like sex as a commodity that she's giving away. Um, yeah, like you, in exchange you, for like a certain like result. And it's also like, framing her identity as like as a woman as like one where like I don't know like she has has like a kind of value that she has to negotiate um with men like through the relationship of sex rather than like seeing sex as a thing in and of itself um yeah I mean I think I'm gonna be a bitch and just say to all of the big soys and also mm -hmm. anyone who ever hears this you know the aliens in the future when you're transcribing all of human history I want you to write this down very clearly if you've ever in earnest said to yourself, no woman has ever had actually good sex with <laughs> a man. You should not tell on yourself like that. You should either be gay about it or trans mm -hmm. your gender. Like those are maybe the two things you should start investigating almost immediately because. I think in either situation, you have to be yeah. quiet about it though. Yeah. You it's, can't it's, say that I've never had satisfying no. sex out loud. No, you should keep it to yourself. And also it is just not true. And mm -hmm. like, I don't want to sound like the actual samantha in the room apologies to glam demon that you know it's cobwebs down there but like i take immense pride in having a lot of sex like it is something that i think i am both good at and also is easy to do you know mm -hmm. like i think that sex is seen as especially by people like glam demon this like arcane like hedonistic like thing that happens in the dark that like is just like this like exchange of commodities and like it's just someone's taking everything from you and I think it not just reveals people's like sexual proclivities and that they're all quite bad at it but I also think it sees it like reveals a lot about the way people see others as objects or mm -hmm. value propositions in their lives right that like to me, sex is a form of communication, right? Like it ultimately is just human communication. That is literally all that it is. And if you think too deeply about it, you're going to end up with takes like, I can't give men anything because they just want to take and it's never good enough. So I'm just going to like speak like this on TikTok and like tell you all about how I hung out with Ali and AJ's publicist last night. <laughs> oh. Like, hey, that's fine. Leave the rest of us out of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. learn you can't name drop unless you're dropping good names. Yeah, were we supposed to be impressed by that name drop? Like, 
for you, right? You walk into any single club in New York City and saw mm-hmm. a celebrity. Like, great. Have fun with that. We're so happy that you moved from wherever fucking place you moved from. And now you feel like you're the most important person in your high school reunion. Like, we're so glad for you. <laughs> There's, um, I, I hate to cite a male writer but (laughs) there's this uh book by um herbert marcuse called negations in critical or essays in critical theory and there's a chapter called hedonism um where he says that like nowhere does the connection between the devaluation of enjoyment and its social justification manifest itself as clearly as in the interpretation of sexual pleasure Um, And that like in this society, all human relations transcending immediate encounter are not relations of happiness, but uh, relations rather to profit on capital and the productions of commodities. Human relations are class relations. Um, And I, yeah, no, no, I think, I think that um, something, something is occurring. Um, And just that, that there's like this, I guess, idea that we get like further away from as like, I guess we get we get deeper into late capitalism that um sex can be like a thing in itself and that like pleasure is okay for pleasure's sake or that like love is good on its own and that it doesn't have to like result in anything for it to be worth something but it is like exactly the same like wake up and grind like um hustle mindset that people have about everything else that is like also being brought to their approach to sex and relationships where like there has to be like a productivity outcome um for the financial quarter in order for it to be um worth something yeah i mean like if glam oh one sec glam demon spirit is trying to enter the Mm -hmm. room with us right now she's asking me to what's she wearing um (laughs) She's wearing a slip dress from Zara. She's wanting to tell you all that. Um, oh, that's so cool. I just you know, feel like feminism. I just feel like feminism was like a mistake because like women like are just like told that we like have to have it all and like girl boss feminism is mm-hmm. just like so bad and like men just like use us right like we're supposed to be empowered but we're just giving ourselves away to everybody. And to that I say, one, you should go read uh, Delphi's Close to Home, Materialist Feminism. I think you would learn quite a bit. But I also think that if we were to, like, peel back the layers of this, like, specific personality disorder that manifests itself as saying things like sex is a transaction between two people, we will find a heterosexual marriage between two parents where at any point in any specific day, both of them are looking at their spouse. Like I hate this ugly person. And also when am I going to have sex with them so I can fulfill my monthly quota of desire for the year. Right. Like, like I do think that this also, I hate to say it, starts at the home right like this is a learned <laughs> well, it's, it's behavior honestly just it's like um like repackaged like why buy the cow when you're getting the milk for free wait till marriage to have sex sort yeah. of thing but just like yeah. in terminology that maybe um mm-hmm. young people won't be as afraid by and with some vocal fry and i think that there's like in in addition to like this like push of uh like rigid standards of sexual behavior um whether it's like not having casual sex or like not getting walked around on a leash at pride like there's also 
more recently, we've seen some examples of uh, like public ad- admonishment um, of like various figures having sex scandals, mostly from like Z-list celebrities, but also yeah. sometimes from just like randos who get uh, surveilled by people with phones and then post uh, whatever it is that they're doing on the internet. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think... Yeah. Oh, go. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I, I don't think I care about any of the celebrities as people, but what I do care about and notice is that the reaction has kind of changed from beyond, like, that's messed up or, like, it's shitty that they did that or whatever to, like, this person should experience, like, public repercussions from society um for acting in a way that like doesn't conform to my values like i remember the way that scarlet letter all over again what's his face mr west elm caleb where it was just like a totally blown out of proportion like bizarre reaction to someone like behaving kind of badly but also like creating i don't know like a like a public um atmosphere of, of punishment for like behavior that wasn't happening to any of the people that were like participating in that i saw someone more recently like post or and describe like the appearance of someone what city he lives in his first name and his last name and like the per- or the, his first name and the first name of a person that he's cheating on his girlfriend with and the girlfriend's name in order to like crowdsource that post to social media so that the girlfriend could find her boyfriend. And I think that like, there is just like an epidemic of people like reporting on like transgressive to them, like sexual behavior that's got nothing to do with them. And then also demanding like people are, are punished or experience like repercussions for those, those actions when like they were not involved and I think it is a part of this like larger push to like get everyone to conform to a pretty rigid standard of like uh, sexual behavior. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree too. As someone who went from being like warned about getting walked on leashes at Pride to someone who's like fucking in alleys at Pride, like mm-hmm. as a woman of many experiences, I would say that something that is like deeply ingrained in like puritanical ideology, especially like white christian puritanical ideology is the idea of self-sacrifice that like martyrdom brings you closer to enlightenment and purity that like deprivation is like the ultimate form of human expression and love for their creator for each other etc right like you're taught from like basically birth that like do not indulge do not give anything of yourself or give everything of yourself and take nothing for yourself. Um, work hard and reap no reward. Give all your money to the church and to Jesus. Spend all your time with Jesus. Give everything of yourself. Deprive yourself of sex. Deprive yourself of love and human connection. And ultimately, like someday you will achieve the enlightenment that you've been suffering for your entire time on earth. And you see people who you perceive as not suffering the same way that you are for the Mm -hmm. things that you want ultimately, right? Like you want to feel free. You want to feel like you can express yourself and have all of these things. But a lot of people see people like, I mean, in a very extreme sense, someone getting walked on a leash at pride and are like, look at this person living without a care in the world. How dare they? It's the ultimate sin to not care, to not feel like you have to do what I'm doing, suffering, right? Like, you know, 
you're a martyr so without a cause your whole life. And so you enact that standard on everyone. Depriving yourself of the joys of uh, like fun, casual sex in order to what, probably date a guy in finance. And then you see someone else doing it and having a good time and like um, maybe having too many partners or something and it gets messy. And so now you have to, you've got to public, uh, punish them in the public square. Um, yeah, because what if it spreads? What if people mm-hmm. get the idea that they can just do whatever they want? Because ultimately none of this matters, right? Like all the sex we're having, (laughs) all the jobs we're making, all the money we're spending, all the time we're wasting on like the capitalist system, ultimately none of it matters, right? Like you're not Mm going to die and go to heaven and God's going to tell you like, congratulations, little piggy, you suffered and now your slaughter (laughs) was not in vain. Here, come into the golden gates and sing with me forever in heaven. Like, no, Mm -hmm. you're going to die and that's it, right? Like- I think the ultimate freedom I've ever experienced was the first time, and I'm going to be real vulnerable with all of you, the first time I ever sucked dick in public, I'll tell you, I literally went to sleep that night thinking God was going to smite me down. And I wasn't even Christian at that point. Um, It was outside of this bar that no longer, or it might actually exist still, called Q Bar. It wasn't outside of Q Bar. It was Mm -hmm. behind Q Bar. Um... I will not reveal the details of that specific encounter because I i don't think they listen, but God forbid they ever do. I do not need them knowing that I am still in the city because that will be a disaster. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was like in public. It was in an alley. We were waiting for an Uber. And the first time I sucked dick in public was in a park. Yeah. That's probably like less... Uh, potentially scary of a situation maybe as 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 an alley there's less people in oh park. yeah i mean i think sucking dick in public is like praxis you know that is mm-hmm. my form of communist revolution you know do it in your car on your Everyone lunch break do it like at least a stranger once. and then do just it in like bar- journal, yeah. journal how you feel about it and maybe you'll be a better person at the end um, you've never had public sex in a BART station? Like, who are you? Like, no. But I just feel like I literally thought I was I was I was like 1920 and I was not a practicing Christian. I, I literally went to bed thinking that I was going to wake up as a pile of ash. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up and it didn't matter. Nothing had mattered. Not, it was like it never happened. Right. My life kept going. I'm like yeah, the, 10 years the on the road. And there it is. Look, no one was hurt and everything mm-hmm. just kept moving because ultimately it's not that big of a deal. It really is yeah. not that big of a deal. The, the argument about, like, um, is public sex, like, a form of abuse to other people that might maybe see you in public is really fascinating to me because it's like, do you not know gay people? Um, especially, like, I don't, as a teenager, I feel like um, I was fortunate to have cool parents, but a lot of people did not. So you have to go find places that is not your house um and i feel like that's just such a normal part of like being a sexual person um especially like i don't know in 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 the community so it was very very fascinating to see like the way that it got like that that now there is this idea that it like is potentially abusive because someone might see it like maybe but also just look away it's like cyberbullying. just close your eyes You know, I think I get super defensive about the sex ed pride thing, too, because, you know, I've been living in San Francisco now for like almost in San Francisco and then in Oakland and the, you know, surrounding Mm -hmm. SF area 
for like 10 years now. And, you know, I came here thinking it was like the Mecca of the world. And then it was not because Google decided to exist. Yeah. But um, I've seen it change a lot, right? And like when I was really young and I was first here, the Castro was like a battleground of ideology where you had the like, older girls who lived through Harvey Milk, they lived through the Compton cafeteria riots, they lived through the AIDS crisis. And it was like a sacred space for them to just like fucking let loose on the weekends. And they would bring in young people and teach them how to let loose as well. And it was like free love and sex. And Pride was like a fucking sex party. Like the Sisters of Quiet Mercy hosted this party every Saturday, or not every Saturday, but the big Saturday during Pride called the Pink Saturday, where they would just like shut down Castro Street and its surrounding area. And it was a giant block party where you'd see guys like with their dicks out, getting sucked on. You'd see girls walking around without tops on, people just like having like casual sex places, making out in the middle of the street, like everyone's in basically no clothes. And it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, I was 19 and like I never once felt unsafe, even though I was like extremely exposed in public. I was in like a bra and panties for the entire weekend and like cool. six inch demonia platforms. Like I'm not to get the best sponsored by demonias. I think we can make it happen for you. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, when that was happening, we used to joke that like the soccer moms that were gentrifying Castro because the property was cheaper than it was in the Presidio where in Pack Heights where they'd bought most of their property and it was running out now. So they were expanding south of market. Um, they would come in and, you know, they wouldn't want to see it as they push their kids on their three double wide strollers, you know, so things like that started to disappear and I just get like kind of defensive about it because ultimately, especially in San Francisco, it is a battle of attrition and like which world would everyone rather live in the world where like people want basically no form of human expression in public beyond like morally upright puritanical ideology Mm. or the world where like people in fursuits are like walking each other on leashes like I know what world I'd rather live in right like I do know definitively which world I would rather live in and it's shocking to me that there's a lot of leftists that would rather live in the former like that's it's it's incomprehensible to me. Yeah, I, I have spent time in both the world of where gay people are hot and have fun and then the one where being gay is about like posting um like social justice infographics on Instagram. And one is just definitely um a lot better to be in than the other. And uh also unless you are you are sock, you will probably get thrown out of the social justice infographic space at some point for like doing doing violence by creating a group chat that only has some yeah. people in it. Um, I mean, we just saw that with the uh, CIA book Twitter influencer, like the, you know, uh, I was going to call it Dunder Mifflin. What the fuck is that? Uh, <laughs> Dunder Mifflin Raytheon um, employee. Um, I think that you what you see also is that ideology that like all these little TikTok girlies are locked themselves inside of eventually it comes for you too, right? Like that's kind of the entire thing about witch hunts is like eventually Mm -hmm. the witch hunt turns on the people who started the witch hunt, right? Like it comes for you eventually. We've all seen it, right? Goody Proctor was with the devil and so was literally other woman in Salem eventually. Like we are rewriting history to make this point, but I think we've all seen (laughs) it where especially the very loud people eventually are also thrown yeah. under the sacrificial 
fire, you know. Which is why I never trust a public leftist man. Um, never, but I think ever. The like last like iteration or like piece of evidence, I guess, that I have for like this um, like wave of like sex sexual puritanism is like exploding out of control is something that I think maybe you and I are the only people smart enough to talk about correctly which is the way that age gap discourse has completely like um spiraled out of control um I think (laughs) we talked about something else (laughs) no I think that just that like the idea that you can read a narrative of abuse like on a couple being too many years apart or something is I think that the most uh, like obvious example, maybe that the prevailing theme in all of these is just like really simplifying stuff um, in order to make like black and black or white um, judgments about like whether or not something is morally correct, because obviously there's going to be instances where something isn't right. But also like some of us would like to date people born in generation X and age gap discourse is getting in the way of me being able to do that i think you're playing your hand though right because Mm -hmm. gen x is a um dwindling resource and as the last generation that actually fucked i think that you can't play your hand to all these listeners and tell them that gen x men are having sex because Uh, (laughs) who else are we gonna have sex with um no i completely agree though i mean i think something that people have lost along with the ability of actually reading or writing in cursive is that with an age gap discourse, right? Like talking about age gaps should purely be like a prism for understanding social behavior rather than like a moral barometer, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're not looking at it, like, Hmm, what is it going to be like when this 40 year old man dates this 25 year old model through the prism of like, what are they both bringing into this relationship? And what does that look like when, say, something goes wrong for either one of them? And it's usually the woman, right? But like the age gap itself is not the issue. The issue is context and society, right? Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think with age gap discourse is this like inherent belief that people are inherently good or evil based on like, factors beyond their control rather than like behaviors that they exhibit right like rather than like the way that they take their position in society or in their lives or in their communities and then enforce it on other people or act within that context I think like if you're going into it like all 40 year old men are inherently evil well like good luck getting anything done in society even with like 40 year old women dating young mm-hmm. men go any which well, those way ones right? are like, millennials so i'm okay with wait are 40 year olds millennials they... now wait is yeah. that real yeah and i don't think that millennials have sex wait why are they calling us millennials then if 40 year olds are millennials how what well, do we have in common with I a 40 year old right now like you and i are we're right on on the line i am actually allegedly gen z but uh, the millennial like generation age uh, is like it starts in the it starts in 1981. So they're 40, 41. Um, you know, I will say this. I think we need to find a new term. But I'm yeah. 
transgenerational and I'm generation X because I'm bi-generational more specifically (laughs) I am a bi-generational woman of intergenerational experience no Mm -hmm. I just call myself like a boomer zoomer like a zoomer boomer Uh um because I think it's the only thing like I'm, I'm I'm too old to be a Zoomer, but I'm too young to be a millennial, right? Like, I don't remember MSN. I don't remember Messenger or, like, AOL. Like, I don't. Well, I remember all those things, so maybe it's your memory. I did use them. You had an AOL Messenger? How old were you? Yeah, I was, like, sexting people on the internet at, like, age eight. And I was Googling, like, sexy things to say and then copying and pasting them and then just putting that in the chat. I think the fact that you were eight is important context here, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were never a teenager on AOL. Don't lie. Don't lie. No. Um, Lion King came out before we were born. Okay. Like that's like, no, it's completely true. true. Okay. Yeah. Lion King and Toy Story came out before we were born. So like, I think we've skipped millennial discourse, right? Like Mm. we were like, we were like four when the first, yeah to my Hogwarts house or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, we were four I, when the first Harry Potter book came mm-hmm. out. Maybe even three. We might have been like three or four when it came if out. If I was older, I could have bullied J.K. Rowling even harder than I did when I, I started my bullying of her when I was eight or nine. If I was eight or nine then, we wouldn't have seven Harry Potters. I would have gotten ahead of it. Yeah. Yeah. Apologies to J.K. Rowling for uh-huh. being born in the wrong generation. Yeah. She, she would have she would have cleaned up as a zoomer. Yeah, she would have cleaned actually, up as a zoomer. If she was a little TikTok girl, I think that would be better for her. And she could just be on Wattpad. Um, I think that like one of my theories maybe for why we have more mini Joel Austins, not mini as in young, but just they're they're lesser Joel Austins, um, is maybe like partly well, like the oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I can't say that. Never mind. No, you should say it. That's what this is for. This is a safe space to say stuff. Oh, God, no. It is not a safe space for me to make this specific <laughs> joke. This is a safe space for women to make jokes. No, I was going to say all the Jolie scenes are little because they're all on hormones. But <laughs> okay. Why okay. are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Unpack that. Unpack that for all the listeners. Why are you laughing about because that? Because you are also laughing. I you, you cannot hold me accountable. It's not going to happen. That's not what I'm here for. Um, but I think that like while this trend has been on the rise for a while, we've seen way more of it in like recent years. And I think that maybe it's because I'm always trying to blame me too for everything. But I think that part of it is that. Where oh, so it's, like, you we hate kind women? Of, some of them. <laughs> I could name a couple that I don't like, but I could also name some that I like, and that's the dialectic. Um, but I think that, like, because Me Too didn't work, um, and I think it maybe, like, forced a lot of people to confront the fact that we don't actually have, like, systems of accountability for when people are, uh, like, abusive or fucked up um, or predators, like, that we resorted to creating a lot of like shortcuts to understanding when harm is happening um and then like avoiding that instead rather than like trusting that any accountability will happen or like that anything is going to change um in order to prevent like you from being in environments where you might be harmed like if no one's having sex in public then no one's gonna have like fucked up sex in public either 
Yeah. Um, if you see me lifting my leg up on our Zoom call right now, it's because I've actually been having sex this entire time and I'm sweating down there. You know, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a with heat who? rash. Um, with God, with myself, with the mm. idea of pleasure itself. Um, no, I think that you're totally right too. I think that like ultimately what it all comes down to is people are just boring. If you really think about it, it explains everything. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I think if you had like if okay, say that you were to like go outside and you were to like meet a 20-year-old tomorrow who mm-hmm. like comes up to you and they're like talking about their like non-binary dating problems. And they're talking about like all the interpersonal harm of like texting someone after 7 p.m. Um, what advice, what's like the first piece of advice? Maybe if you could only give them one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I would say for them to take a thirst trap um, and then post it, post it on Instagram and not on their stories. They should make it, they should put it on grid. Be brave. Be brave. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think th- I think that that's right. I think that's true. Um, I would tell them to get on Grinder, and that's I would tell them to just, <laughs> yeah. I think you know we're approaching at it from a two different um, angles on the Praxis web sheet, but I think mm-hmm. that ultimately we're arriving at a center. Um, yeah, I would say look for attention from other people. You might actually find you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking into some statistics um, and I think that I'm definitely for sure on a list now because I was Googling teen sex and then I realized, no, have to make that more specific. Uh, (laughs) You have to use like the Google complex Google search where you put it in like academic. (laughs) Yeah. Google scholar.com. Like, Mm Um, but the CDC, who is not my friend, they do a youth risk uh, behavior assessment survey. And I didn't go to like a regular high school or like a, a public high school. Did you go to one? You no, I went. Right? You learned I about went like to the Christian moon. school. Yeah, I never went. So I, I never went to public school. I'm I'm outing myself now as a person of having gone to Christian school my entire life experience, I where have... they told you the atoms are held together by God's love and gravity is God deciding to okay. keep all planets in the sky. So you definitely so never took this. Allegedly, like this survey gets sent out to all the public high schools and the high schools um, make their students take them. That seems fake to me. But I've never um, heard of this ever in my life. Listen to this. So like, tell me, did you ever have to take a survey from the government mm-hmm. about what Wait, sex you're you having? have teenagers that listen to your podcast? We Does have multiple teenage listeners. That's, that would stress me out. Sometimes I feel responsible for like the bad things that I say and the bad behavior that I encourage, but I did all those things when I was a teenager and I'm better off for it. So um, it is what it is. Teens, if you do not title the email to us, teen sex or anything, make it something normal. Let me know. Did you have? Did you don't get, even describe it? Don't even describe it. Yeah, don't describe did, yeah. anything. It's a yes just, or a no. I just need to know. But so they uh, released its most recent data set is from 2019 because I guess after 2020 the CDC just stopped um, doing anything. Um, 
But in like already in 2019, the percentage of teens that reported ever having sex was on a trending decrease. Um, and so was the percentage of teens who reported having four or more sexual partners in their life and the amount of uh, teens that were like currently sexually active and like all of the questions about like, are you fucking were no. Um, and we're like on a downward uh, trend besides like condom and birth control usage, um, but also like HIV testing was down too. And all of them have been decreasing since 1991, which is when the CDC like began collecting that data. And before that, um, there like our previous studies from the United States, like that showing that sexual activity among teenagers was like increasing from the 60s into the 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, like with around 40% of uh, high school girls and boys reporting being sexually active in the 80s, and that like increasing to 50 in the in the 90s, and then it's been going back down, and now it's at like 30, 30 something. Um, okay, I have a question for you, which is that yes. if when you were in high school age, like bring yourself mm -hmm. back then, I'm gonna also do this for myself. If you were handed a sheet of paper that says, do you have sex? How many times okay. do you have sex? Have you ever reported I how many times you have this, sex? Yeah. Would you answer that accurately? I think depending on what my mood was for the day, yes. I feel like my high school, my, my like classmates probably would have lied and said they were having sex more than they actually were. Um, but I guess maybe if I was like afraid that my parents were going to find out and I had parents that cared about that kind of thing, then I would say less. But I think even taking into account that people might be lying, there is still like a trend of um, like those reports going down like over, over like steadily over decades, like among like thousands and thousands of people. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have no doubt that they go down, but I'm always interested in that too, because like if you think about like in more recent history, the generational discourse around sex is like in the 90s it was mm -hmm. like the, the 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 culture at large would have you think that it was like cool to have sex and everyone's having sex and all the movies are about like teens fucking all the teens mm -hmm. are fucking and then you get up through the 2000s and it's the same thing right and yeah. then there's like a marked shift for our generation where like movies became vehemently anti-fucking so like around like 2008 yeah, and, like, and like tv shows so if you think about it, it's all Shailene Woodley's fault for mm -hmm. secretly for the American teenager. She single-handedly destroyed a generation. She should have gotten life. an abortion. I watched that. And like, even once that baby was grown up, I was like, I feel like she did this wrong. Um, you know, I completely understand, but I will tell you that Shailene Woodley went to my high school a lot and mm -hmm. they all act exactly like that. So unfortunately I do think that she's valid in that like, it is something that a lot of people would have done, like, you know, keep your baby for Jesus Christ. Oh, I know that people do it. I just thought, like, the baby had bad vibes. And the baby, it did daddy, have bad vibes. The baby daddy also had bad vibes. And I think one of that the ugliest really TV baby daddies of all time to yeah. think about is like, you're um, kind of like latching yourself to someone for at least 18 years. And I think that if you're going to do that, you should do it strategically and they should be hot. Um, but it's, this is like, even though this is, uh, like a downward trend for teens and maybe we can blame the secret life of the American teenager for, for adults, it's the same too, from like 2001 to 2018, um, the amount of adults that like 
reported uh, sexual inactivity um, increased among like all genders and like almost all the age range, age ranges except for like Gen, Gen X, um, who they're still having as much sex as they used to. But the proportion of adults um, or adult men ages 18 to 24 who said that they had no sexual activity in the past year like jumped from 18% in the year 2000 to 30.9 in 2018. Um, and then there was no change for women like in the 18 to 24 demographic because that's the age of women that every, every man wants. Um, so the, the numbers are skewed. But then after that, like in the 25 to 34 range, like the amount of them who said that they had no sexual activity in the past year moved from seven to 12. And basically all of the, like age ranges um, doubled from 2000 to 2018. And so my question is, may- is maybe, is it is it 9-11? Did 9-11 stop yeah. us from having sex? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, 9-11 literally categorically changed everything about human culture and yeah. society and the way that America was structured in our everyday lives. I mean, like, yes, absolutely. I think the rippling effects of 9-11 and later the unsecured debt crisis and mortgage crisis um, swung the pendulum with a variety of other forces, including how ugly George Bush was just like on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) to a place of like extreme conservatism in our everyday lives, right? Like there was that point in the early 2000s where you watch movies and you're like, oh, these are fun. People are fucking in these movies. And then, like, in 2007, everything turned yellow and gray and green yeah. and, like, dark. And it was we all about, like... music video girls. Yeah. Remember video girls? Remember those? I did... That could be you right now if there was a market for it, but there isn't, and they're depriving you of that opportunity. Yeah. It's a little too late to rebrand um, as an extra <laughs> on Love & Hip Hop San Francisco. But I do just want to... <laughs> point out because i did go looking because i'm a sucker for punishment the mm-hmm. baby daddy from sweet life of the american teenager secret life i think yes. that this says everything about society his best friend you know who his best friend is who he posts like in real life or on the show on real life on instagram I you know I no idea i which like i wouldn't be thousands conservative uh... christian fan favorite do you think he's like golfing with almost every day on Instagram? Golfing. Concern. Is it Bristol Palin? <laughs> no, it's Jonas Brothers. It's literally oh, the Jonas gosh. Brothers. Yeah, of course. Of yeah. Course. So do you see how That's crazy? They are not a... on the same level of celebrity. That is that is a friendship, <laughs> uh, like a real friendship. That's genuine. Yeah, but they did they both. Like him. Yeah, they did both represent white heteropatriarchal idealism in the mid two thousands. So I think they're also that okay, is a force. I just want to add some greater than us to the Jonas Brothers conversation because they are oh, all God. from New Jersey, and yes, I think that that needs to be New taken Jersey into consideration yes. when you're saying you know that they like represent something. But are they Italian? They have like dark curly black hair, not to like be phrenological about it but i feel i was like... gonna say i did not expect you to get the jonas brothers calipers out um this late <laughs> into the night but it's just i i can spot an italian and i feel like mm. i feel like potentially they're probably mixed 
and there's probably some Italian in there. Yeah, and Italian men. Okay. <laughs> that's my um, answer, and I'm locking it in, okay? And these are so, three biracial men um, that you are claiming, you know, are are the patriarchy. Yes. And I'm so, just saying that there's we have to be intersectional about our approach. So what was your question for me about the Jonas Brothers? That was that was it? That was probably it. my question, yeah. Which one would um, you have sex with right now? You have you get one answer and no take backs. Joe. Same, yeah. That's yeah, the only but I her. was I was a Nick person uh, when until they you, were a bigger deal. Yeah, until you were I old enough to drink, and then you were like, yeah, me, go. which which is Nick. Um, and I was like, I feel like I, I thought that, that he was more attainable. I was like, I think I could get there. And also Joe said something in an interview to J14 that seriously disturbed me. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't Which get turned you on more, it. let's be real. No, no, I didn't like it. Cause he was asked how long it takes him to get ready in the morning. And he was like about two and a half hours to do my hair. And then maybe another hour and a half or two to, to get dressed. I mean, I he's like, the new spokesperson what? for Botox. Did you expect I anything less from him? I don't think that it's that's it's not right to take four hours yeah. to get ready. And mm-hmm. I remembered thinking, like, what is he doing to his hair that takes two hours? It looks kind of bad. Um, and it God, it the just men like, you put on this earth to run male manipulator pickup artist podcasts are taking two hours to put gel in their hair every morning. You know, it, Imagine trying to go out with with Joe Jonas and he's like, hold on, I have to put product in my hair and then two and a half hours go by. And I think that that really I like the fact that I still remember it, it like it really left an impression on me. I think it should be pretty, but not to the extent that it cuts into my time. As an expert on New Jersey men, I also need to know this because this I do think this factors into the conversation about horniness. Mm-hmm. Is Joe Jonas listening to Hassan or Joe Rogan when he's getting ready as a oh. biracial Italian man from New Jersey? I think that like Joe Jonas is probably not listening to uh, either of them, but probably has found like one of those spiritual gurus that is on Joe Rogan sometimes and talks about sort of like the vague benefits of meditation. um, And, and then also like men's mental health. Um, But it's not so overtly political, but it's also not too new age that it's not Christian. Like there's no crystals, but it's like practice self care by uh, borrowing some aspects of Eastern medicine um, and Eastern philosophy, but they don't get any more specific than the word Eastern. He's listening to whatever Goop has as a podcast. If Goop yeah, has a podcast, I think that's, that's, that's an answer. I was, yeah. yeah, I'm dreading that that was the answer we both arrived at was he's listening to the Goop podcast. Yeah. Okay, so this is actually related to the Jonas Brothers. Um, or it it's, a me. Cl- it's a clue. It's a clue. Um, so there's all, all the years from 2000 to 2018, sex, sex for everyone, adults, teens, old mm-hmm. people, young people, men, women, except for women ages 18 to 24, it's all, it's all on a decline, except for in one year where there's a momentary spike upwards and people are fucking again. Yeah. What year is that? Is it? 2008 when Obama got elected it is 2008 Obama said yes we can everyone got horny and hopeful wait 
I did just pull that out of my ass. I was like, it's going to be something stupid like Obama. Like, it's yeah. literally going to be something stupid like the election. All those canvassers that were wearing the Obama sneakers. Do you remember mm. those? Yeah, that really got everyone going. They're like, mm, I really like your Obama converse, your Obama commemorative like canvassing I, converse. I really like your sneaker, your shoelaces on your I did date a man Obama who had converse. a pair from when he canvassed for Obama just Whoa. to like show his age. And I think that that is okay, probably that is age gap discourse because i know yeah. how old you were in 2008 uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> not um, old enough to canvas no um, <laughs> no 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 um and it did Lil not Wayne but said in in 2008 that we that he was down like the economy and so so is everyone else it's really like it's actually like a really noticeable dip i'll have to show you the graph um but it's like it's going up and up for like sexual inactivity and then it drops to like less than 8% on average for adults reporting yeah. like that they had no sexual activity for the year. And then by 2009, it's like back up to like 15. Yeah. Flop Joe Brandon has only kept the graph growing down, you know, like <laughs> you had one job, you had one job, Joe Brandon, and you can't even get us to fuck. Like you well, can't I've, even get us to fuck. I've said this on the on the podcast before, but I believe in my heart that Obama is like a fake bisexual man. Like I, I don't think he's attracted did you, to men. Did you read those excerpts from his book? Of course he's well, a fake bisexual exactly, man. Yeah, exactly. He's, you're he's the, doing all the you're things. the you're the bisexual he was writing about in that book. I know. Like you I do am know the that, right? Ethereal bisexual. I was literally quoting Mark Hughes earlier. That's one of the one of the names dropped in his book. Um but I think that that uh, while I have many problems with that kind of man, they do inspire people to have sex, and that's what Obama did for us. There's and a I, promise. And there I also for think Obama's having sex too. I hate to say it. I do think Obama's having oh, sex. Yeah, unfortunately, I think unfortunately, he does. I think that like Trump probably like fucked in like a what is it called like a pod like a pod by himself in an assault way. <laughs> Um, um presidents who fucked jfk did not have sex once in his entire no. life well jackie um, kennedy might have tried to suck his dick but she was biting she was scraping um yeah jfk the the one thing that i will never i will never ever ever He's not hot. ever believe is that he had sex with marilyn monroe only because like marilyn would just know he had bad vibes right he like i just is feel that a white man from boston and I don't care what other romantic narrative guess, people project onto him. I guess I don't care we what do. Lana Del Rey has to say. He is a white man from Boston. So what you're saying is he's basically if Ben Affleck was president in the 60s. Yeah. Who also doesn't fuck. I know that he had an affair with his nanny, but I think it was a it was a non-sexual affair. It was an emotional affair. Yeah, it was an emotional one just where he just stuff. like he just wanted to like tell her about how sad he was all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Ben Affleck doesn't have sex. Um I do think who what's a president I also think had sex. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, I do think Nixon was fucking. You know he was a Quaker? Yeah, I think that means he was fucking. It's the only Quaker president we've ever had. That's um, so interesting. And their um, whole thing is, is that they're like pacifists. And so he had to be like, don't worry. Like, even though I'm a Quaker, I love war. And I'll do it as much as anyone wants. Um, Bush wasn't fucking, but his dad was. 
in a sex crime way, I think. Um, we're not going to touch the Clinton Foundation because they're snipers. We, we all outside. know. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing to say. The snipers uh, are outside. Um, yeah, no, I think I think Obama is our only president who really fucks like that. So you know, we have a yeah. high standard and a low threshold. I know that there will maybe be someone that has something to say about like Nancy Reagan's reputation as like Hollywood's resident throat goat, but. first of all first of all she didn't get really like very good roles so i think that that does speak to like the quantity of her blowjobs but not the the quality because i think that if she if it's like she was known for giving blowjobs but it it doesn't seem like she was known for giving them well or else she would have been a star she was just reagan's second second wife um, Did you know there's only been one native New Jerseyan who ever became Oh, I know. President? I know this. It's Woodrow Wilson. And it's very upsetting because he was president and of Grover like, Cleveland. America. He's not from New Jersey. He was the only one actually born in New Jersey. Mm. Yeah, I'm reading it on state.newjersey.us. We lack representation in media. No, people in New Jersey can't be president because they're fucking. New Jersey and California are two states that are famously having lots of sex. Well, Kamala Harris might get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for it, honestly. She up. means a lot to me. Um, I think that's, a, I think that you have As a biracial that aspires to be mediocre, I just feel like Kamala I, Harris I, speaks to me. You've invoked Kamala Harris. Kendall's mm-hmm. already going to have the worst time post-resurrection editing this podcast. I do think that that is mm-hmm. the sign for us to wrap this fucking shit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, not only invoked truancy laws in California, but also late night podcasting laws. She made sure to slip those in before ascending to vice We're, president. I think allowed to mention the vice president. And I said her name in a complimentary way. But, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Swifties aren't yeah. going to happen after you now. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I think those are really, those are all my stats. Besides just that um, it like is even more, there are even more incels um, when you're poor. The the mm. like percentage like kind of doubles for people that report making less than 50000 uh, a year or for people that are unemployed um, in basically all of the demographics. So um we're blaming 9-11 and we're also blaming Obama not doing a good job. Yeah, we're going to blame. I think we should blame... also blame Sestafosta. Uh, like, yes. you can't really hang out online and be sexy anymore. Um, no. Unless you're, like, on OnlyFans, which is not the same thing. No, um, OnlyFans is, like, the most sexless place on the internet. Yeah. Uh, it's, like door- it's like DoorDash. <laughs> it's literally DoorDash. <laughs> Um, do, uh, we have, do we have like solutions do we have uh yeah i do have a solution like my solution i guess is just like communism now but i'm not sure if i have any steps like in between for what people could be doing to to confront this uh yeah. obstacle in our lives my, to being hot my solution and then i think this is like the most important advice i will ever give anyone that listens to this podcast I want you all to write this down because it is very important. Just find an outfit that you really like, right? Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't even need to be an outfit you feel sexy in, right? Like just an outfit you want other people to see you in. And then 
take whatever, you know, mail order Lexapro you're on to calm the nerves and take the bus to the gay club and just fight every fear you have that like evil non-binary bisexuals are going to attack you at the door for not being an evil non-binary bisexual and just go inside and just like listen to music and dance like literally it will solve all of your problems i'm not even oh, joking yeah. I it think will literally solve all of your problems music that is fast is so important yes it's it's and it, it can't be like the like like you better work, bitch. Ns, 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 mm-hmm. ns. Like you need to go to a place that like actually plays like real music. And usually those are the places with like the cheap laminate flooring and like, like wallpaper that's peeling off the walls, like a place where the gay people look like you. I promise it exists within a hundred mile radius of wherever you are at this exact moment. So like just conquer your fears of the evil non-binary gatekeeping bisexuals on leashes that are waiting to bully you at the door and Mm -hmm. take five dollar for the cover and just go dance just once this year i promise you your life will become infinitely better like literally in almost an instant that's very good advice i think like net like i don't understand sad people listening to sad music I think a lot of people in our lives are going to be called up by that. Well, I think that like, um, like a song should not have instruments in it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think it should be fast. I think that it should be made on a computer (laughs) and it should be fast. Got it. Uh, Next time I make you a playlist. There should be like four, four drummers, like in one band and maybe like three guitarists. Like they should all be competing with each other. And that's what the music should sound like. I com- I inherently disagree, especially for like sex music, which is like a whole mm-hmm. other episode we'll have to do later. I don't on. think that you can have sex music to drums. I, that was not what I was suggesting. Oh no 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 no! I was just saying sex music has to have instruments because like Tony Braxton's Spanish guitar is like the platonic ideal of sex music, and it is literally mm-hmm. our song. So are you I, having I, sex to music? You're putting oh, music on. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that not common? Well, some people don't. Some people are like, no music, just vibes. And some people the like music the, is the, 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 music pe- is the people that listen to Big Sway Naturals. They put on uh, Big Sway Naturals uh, before they, they get ready to go. <laughs> Do they tell you this? That this is like real? <laughs> no, but I just like, I, I assume that that's happening because many of our listeners have a psychosexual like obsession with me in particular. I love I love all of you by proxy. All of you are my mm-hmm. sons and daughters by the very hierarchy of this podcast. But also, like, keep it away from me. I don't want to know. Don't put me in a, in a hierarchy. <laughs> no, we're it's doing the church right. We're doing yeah, the church right now. Yes, yes. Okay. No, but I think, um... <laughs> your psychosexual desires away from me because I will not reciprocate it, and you will get your heart broken for it. Um, I am just a voice on a podcast. But uh, if you do have the urge to listen to me and jack off please don't ever tell me i don't need to know <laughs> unless you're paying me i don't need to know mm-hmm. you can and that's also the beauty of sex sort of like doing crimes which you should never do or hurting other people which you should never do you can keep sex to yourself right like it is you can hurt some people and you some people. people if it's like a fun thing that you're doing with your friends but like hurting people irreparably and without consent obviously but like yeah you don't have to tell us you can keep it to yourself 
Okay, so I think that we should close this in like standard queer, um, like leftist uh, co-op house fashion. Um, Are you going to make me mop? Pronouns, astrological sign, email address, cash app handle, (laughs) Twitter handle. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, What else? What else is essential for people to know about your identity? Um, Hmm. I don't know. Prop favorite. Un- Go ahead. Favorite album. I don't know. Favorite Cats Steven Universe dog. character. Um, oh, but yeah, geez. you. I, I can. I can go first. Um, I'll go first. I'm the guest. All right, one. do it. Do it. Uh, yeah, Joan Summers. Um, mm-hmm. my pronouns are she/her. If you ever knew me as a she/they, um, no, you didn't. I stopped using she/they when I was 22 because I think it makes me sound naive. So I'm firmly back in the she/her camp because my gender identity is built around being cunt. You can uh, email me at eatingforfreepodcast@gmail.com and find me at Laura Croft Barbie or underscore eating for free on Twitter um, and go listen to my podcast there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my yeah, what was the other thing? I'm my my, my um, I'm a Pisces, Pisces cash sun, app handle Aries for people moon. to pay you for the emotional labor yes, that you've done. Rising <laughs> cash app is uh, dollar sign Joni sucks. Um, Do you have a favorite Steven Universe character? The uh, the whatever which is whatever one is dead. <laughs> Isn't the mom okay? Yeah. Cool. I don't. They, but they could. Yeah. The mom is dead. Um, it's sort of. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's really anything that you would ever need to know about your roommate, or like, oh, what's your least favorite chore? Oh, my least favorite chore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna reveal myself as someone who has internalized misogyny and say I love doing chores, so I don't have a least favorite. I think vacuuming is exciting. Oh, cool. I would like to feel the same way. Um, but I guess I also have internalized misogyny and so I don't want to do the chores. Um, but that's, you know, that's like everything that you would ever need to know about a roommate that lives in your queer poly co-op leftist vegan anarchist uh, intersectional space um and so joan and i will probably not get into a fight until next month um my name is cerise i use they pronouns like like yeah um i'm also a pisces i have a scorpio moon um and a libra rising which is why why i'm pretty yeah um you can email us at sorry at bigsoynaturals.world um my cash app handle is dollar sign crying for you my favorite Steven Universe character is Steven. Um, and my my least favorite chore is probably vacuuming. I hate vacuuming. I got to pick up the vacuum and like plug it in and then I have to plug it in somewhere else because um, the cord's not long enough and then I have to go upstairs. It's, it's too much work. The next time men are giving me money for favors, I will be getting you a Roomba from them. So the robot will do the labor for you. Oh, I just got 
a Roomba from a man recently, and I named it Morty. Um, because I wow. think that I think wow. should have names. Um, Are you proud of that particular name? You want to live with a Morty in your home? Yeah, yeah. Because I um like I'm a Rick and Morty fan apologist, but not a Rick and Morty show apologist. I think the show is bad, but I think the fans were valid. <laughs> So you are anti-watching the show pro-burning down the McDonald's for the Szechuan sauce? Yeah. Okay, good. Me too. All right. Uh, That's all. Uh, Bye. Bye. Are you kidding? I'm sorry. To teach me what to think. Trust.